So we're in a series called uh, Regift, and what we're talking about is the idea that God has given us so much, right? I mean, God has bestowed upon us so much. And the idea isn't to just keep it. It isn't to hoard it. It isn't to, uh, you know, if anyone's gotten um, uh, too many of something, you end up re-gifting it, right? Because you've got, you don't, you don't necessarily need it. And God has given us these great and precious promises, the Bible says. He's gifted us with spiritual gifts. He's given us, uh, he's shaped us in certain ways that allow us to pour back into people. One of the things that Lorraine was talking about and what Marquise were talking about is this idea that we've got to pour into the next generation or else we're going to lose them, right? And so in the same way, uh, God has given us, and at at Advent, we talk about these four things, hope and peace and joy and love. And we're going to be talking about each one um, uh, each week. And this week, we're talking about peace. And uh, so I thought I'd I'd put this little Star Wars thing as a little reminder. One, because Jonathan loves Star Wars, and uh, we'll we'll work that out of him. Um, And... uh, the, the other is, uh, as he mentioned, I don't do Toys for Tots very well in my spiritual life. And Cece can uh, attest to this as well. Because they keep adding Tots to it. <laughs> and the thing about the Tots is you need toys. Juguetes para niños. Okay? Demasiado niños. Too many kids. No suficiente juguetes, not enough toys. And it happens every year. And every single picking year, God is faithful. And every single picking year, I am not. Every year. Every year. We had a meeting last week. And Jonathan left. And he's like, hey, thanks for, you know, talking me off of the cliff. And I'm, like, and I'm like, great, he leaves my office, I close the door, and I'm like, I'm going to jump off a cliff. <laughs> I, 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 and it's, it's toys. I mean, what, what's the big deal? And so I, I started thinking to myself, okay, all right, honey, how much do we have in savings? Okay. <laughs> right? Because I'm going to solve this problem of no toys. And I go on the, on our computer and I look at the church's bank account and I'm like, okay, it's going to come down to Lisa and I, all right, we're going to, we're going to solve this problem of toys. And Lisa says this, it was so ridiculous. She asked me this question, have you prayed about it? (laughs) And I'm like, that is the, what, what planet are you from? We got to solve this problem. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to read the Bible. We don't have time. We got to get stuff done. That is my job. I don't know if you saw my last paycheck. At the very top, it says Living Spring Church. It's what I do for a living, okay? I solve problems. I, 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 I preach sermons and I walk around the campus and I see stuff that's wrong and I, I solve problems. Like, for example, why is there lights on this side and there's no lights on on this side? I have no idea why, what we're doing here. So we've got to pick one or the other. I don't care. So this is, what, this is my welcome to my life. I know, just notice this kind of stuff. So, uh, no, seriously, 
we got to fix that. Okay, now we got two. All right. Let's pray about it. Dear Jesus, hey, amen, amen. What a man of faith I am. All right. That's fantastic. Uh, actually, let's turn them all off. I don't know. Anyway, so, so the thing is, but, but here's what you're going to know about me. I'm, I'm a control freak. I'm, I'm a control freak. <laughs> Did they have this problem at your last church, you guys? No? Okay. All right. I just want to say. Got hey, step up your game, guys. Come on. Let's go. That, that's, my, that's my problem. I, 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 I don't have this a lot of times. And as I was going through the scriptures this week and preparing the sermon, I really began to dig deep into myself and figure out what, why do I lack so much peace when I serve a God <laughs> that's so incredible, right? Why, why is that? And I would pray about it because my wife told me to. And uh, I was like, Lord, yeah, uh, you know, what, what's going on? And he's, and the Lord speaks to me in different ways. And it was about control. I, when I need to be in control, I have none of this. When I give up control, which is so hard. Maybe for you guys, you're like, this is easy. But the times in my life where I had the most of this were the times that I gave up control. And I allowed God to take over. When last week we talked about hope and when I had lost hope in the healing of our son. And, uh, and then I, as I kind of reflected on that sermon this week and I was thinking about that, even in the midst of losing hope, there were times I still had peace because I, I realized I was just out of control. I, I had no control. And so what I want to do this morning Let's talk about that a little bit and um, talk about the idea of uh, how, do you, how do you give up control? What, what, what happens in your mind and how, what does the Bible have to say to it? And more importantly, what does Jesus have to say about giving up control? Um, and so for, for, for some of you, uh, as you go into the Christmas season, it's a stressful time. You have company coming over. You got family issues. You got all these things. Um, and so how do we, in the midst of this season, in the midst of what's supposed to be a peaceful season as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, uh, how do we um, give up control? So uh, what I want to do first is look at uh, the, the part of the Christmas narrative, the, the part where, um, uh, you know, that we would know if you saw that, if you've ever seen the nativity, the wise men, and one of them out there has Jesus and all that kind of stuff. One of them was these angels that came to these shepherds. And it's really sweet because the angels didn't go to the king the angels didn't go to the powerful. The angels went to the lowest person, the ones that were disenfranchised, the just common worker, the, the, the ones who, who, who weren't educated. That's where, that's where God's heart is. God's heart is to the disenfranchised, to those that are suffering from injustice. And so uh, the angel shows up and 
just as an aside real quick, because uh, I was teaching this class yesterday. Oh, by the way, those who do follow me on Instagram or Facebook, I am wearing the same shoes this morning. So uh, I posted, I, I wore one, I showed up at class and I had one different shoe on from the other. They were the same color, fortunately, because that would have been embarrassing. Uh, but, uh, but I have two like they're normal now. Um, and thank you for all of you who mocked me uh, openly on the internet because that will never go away now. Um, but but uh, we were talking about in this class, it's a theology class, we were talking about this idea of who, who God announces himself to. So there's these, these shepherds who are, who are nothing. They're, they're, just, they're just common workers. They're, they're day laborers. They just, they're just... What, what, in society at the time, they, were, they, they had no value. And, and God comes to them. Do you know the first person that Jesus ever told he was the Messiah was a Samaritan woman? In the Jewish culture, this would be the lowest of the low. Okay? And Jesus says, hey, I'm the Messiah. She became the first evangelist, by the way, as well. And so this is who, who God does. And so the angels start saying... Yes, they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men and women uh, with whom he is pleased. God so loved the world that he gave his son. And so they say, glory to God in the highest and peace. This idea is that this is what Jesus brings by default. If you are experiencing this, if you are experiencing this, you're experiencing Jesus. You're experiencing the peace of God. And so, uh, and peace, just so we understand what it is, it's, it's shalom. It's the, the, the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom, peace is just not like um, everything's going okay or the lack of war. You know, we say, well, we're in a time of peace. And we think, well, that's just, we're not, you know, in war time. That's not what the Hebrew word of shalom, it doesn't capture it. Uh, it's universal flourishing. It's, it's the way things ought to be. As a matter of fact, there's a guy, super duper smart, Cornelius Plantica. Here's what he says. He says, in the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness and delight. Isn't that beautiful? A rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts are fruitly employed. A state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. This is the way things ought to be. And so when I find myself at my desk, curled up in the fetal position, worried about a bunch of these, right? I am not experiencing universal flourishing. That's not what I was designed to do. I was not designed to control how many toys we have for Toys for Tots. As a matter of fact, when I do that, I do damage to myself. Because I'm trying to control something that I was not designed to control. That's a different way to look at things, isn't it? Because here's what happens in my mind. Okay, okay, Lord, here we go. You're in control. Okay, uh, but we're not going to have enough toys. What if you decide we're not going to have enough toys? Uh, okay, that's terrible. 
That's a bad decision, God. If you decide that we're not going to have enough toys because you want to teach me something, shame on you. Okay? And here's, here, watch this. No, watch this. Because that's going to make me look bad. Hmm. I think we found something. Because <laughs> you didn't mention that you love children. You didn't mention that, you, you, you mentioned that you'd look bad. Oh, okay. Well, now we're getting somewhere. See? So, 700 years before Jesus shows up on the scene, Isaiah, we talked about this last week, predicts, prophesies that he's coming. And here's how he describes Jesus. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us, and then, man, I do not like this word that's in yellow. Authority rests upon his shoulders. See, here's, here's what I'm going to give you a little secret about myself. I love peace. Love it. Wake up in the morning. It's still dark. Build a fire. Have a cup of coffee. Birds waking up. Oh, that's peace. I don't think of authority. I think of calm. I think of things working out in my favor, right? The Bible, it's foreign to the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach any of that. The Bible teaches that when we come under the authority of our Heavenly Father, we will find peace, right? Isn't that hard? Maybe for you, maybe you're just like, I'm more spiritual than my pastor. You probably are. But that's hard for me. For a child has been born to us, uh, for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders. And his name is Wonderful Counselor. In other words, when he gives you counsel, we have a wonderful counselor here, Dr. Heather Brown. Uh, she's amazing and she gives great counsel. And I, I, I would send anyone to her for anything. Well, she's nothing compared to this wonderful counselor. This wonderful counselor is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. I can fool my therapist and say, oh, I, yeah, everything's going great, whatever. I can't fool this wonderful counselor. Mighty God, Whew, man, everlasting father. And then this prince of peace, authority, and peace. They're tied together. The Bible ties them together. That, that it, this peace doesn't come from this passive. Uh, it's not little baby of peace. It's not um, uh, sir, your servant of peace. It's not pie in the sky, by and by. Oh, everything's going to work out. Peace. It's prince. It's ruler. He is the prince of peace. In this uh, theology class, I end the class the same way every time because mostly it's pastors and up and coming pastors. And so many times as shepherds, we lose, at least for me, we lose the reason why we're doing what we do. We miss our calling of why we first stepped across that boundary and said, I'm going to serve God every day full time. This is what I'm going to do. We, we, you lose sight of that because just like 
anything, any other relationship, you get involved in the day-to-day and you start thinking about this. And so what we do is we, after we talk about theology and where all of our heads are about to explode and all this stuff, I tell everybody to just stop. And I write on the board, God, okay? And I say, describe your God. <laughs> and and it, it's usually just like quiet at first, like because nobody, everybody's like, how do, you, how do you describe God, right? And one of the first words that comes out is Prince of Peace. As a matter of fact, this is from yesterday. This is, uh, I just start writing as they start talking. And uh, this is like after, I don't know, seven minutes. Imagine if you had all eternity Right? He's with us. He's mysterious, uh, uh, invisible, patient, inclusive, mother hen, reality, love, lamb, everything, lion, sovereign, Holy Spirit, omega, sustainer, priest, strong tower, omniscient, shepherd, comforter, Lord of lords, judge, forgiving, faithful, all in all, powerful. I mean, come on. See, it's when we submit to that is when we experience peace. I want to kind of share a little bit from what Jesus, how Jesus describes this. Um, uh, For those of you who have kids, for those of you who don't, I'm sorry for giving this example, but there comes a time when you feel feel comfortable leaving your kids at home alone. Okay? Mommy and daddy need a date night or whatever you want to do, or we just need to away from you, uh, and, and we can call it whatever we want, and so uh, it's like the first time, so you plan on, look, let's just get the food to go, okay, so we can get back, because I don't know what the house is going to look like, and so what you do when you do that is you data dump. You try to get everything out uh, before you leave. This is where the fire extinguisher is, okay? That's really important since we're leaving the kids home alone for the very first time. This is how you call 911. It starts with a 9. It ends with a 1-1. Just wait till the person answers the phone. You go through all this data dump because you're leaving and you want to make sure you get all the important information out. Here's how you use the microwave. This is a TV dinner. Don't, you know, it's like the whole nine yards. Well, in John chapter 14 and 15, this is what Jesus is doing. He's basically telling the disciples, look, I'm leaving and this is what I want you to know. Okay. And so in John chapter 14, verse 23, he says this. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. (laughs) Wait a minute. Not anyone who loves me will give me a hug, will buy me a Christmas present, which in his case is a birthday present. Uh, It's it's not, you got got that? See what I did? That's it. Just like like that. Uh, It's not, well, it's if you love me, you will obey me. You will come under my authority. You will run your life like I run my life under the submission of my heavenly father, creator, provider, protector, judge. You're going to submit under my teaching as I submit under my heavenly father's teaching. This is what he's saying. If you love me. And then he makes this incredible statement. 
He says, my father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. We will come to them and make our home with them. And so Jesus makes this incredible connection between authority and peace. We'll make our home. I mean, when Jesus says that, you get this idea of just a safe place. This place of peace. But it doesn't just show up. It comes through obedience. It comes through becoming like Christ. It comes through serving others. It comes through loving ourselves less. It comes through not worrying about what people think about us. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And then, to make the point one point more, he says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Jesus said at one time in the, one of the Gospels this way, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? <laughs> like, why, why you, don't just, it's almost like he's saying, don't call me Lord. Like, just either do it or don't do it. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And so he says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. And then to, to really firm it up with the disciples, because he's, he's on his way out, these words you hear are not my own. I'm not just making this stuff up. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. He's, he's ramping up to, uh, to John 15, which is just an awesome chapter. If you read your Bibles, uh, read John chapter 15. You can do it this week. So he says, I'm, I'm leaving. And then this, this, he does this really cool thing where um, we believe in this doctrine called the Trinity. That God is one being but three at the same time. If you think about it too long, your head will explode. But it's, it's, just, it's just that's the, the complexity of God. That he's one God but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this, one of the reasons we believe this is this next verse that's coming up. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. So you've got in these last two verses, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the reasons why we believe that. But all of it comes from this under authority. And you know what's interesting? This idea isn't, isn't foreign to us. Because I would imagine that in your normal lives, just the lives, not, we're not even talking about Scripture, just in your everyday life, you come under authority and experience peace. Every time you stop at a red light, you are coming under authority and you are experiencing peace. Because if you do not stop at that red light, <laughs> you will not experience peace. You'll experience pieces of yourself uh, all, all over the road, right? So, so we, we come under authority. This is Sampoon. Uh, it's, a, it's a department store in Korea. And uh, it's gi ginormous. And uh, what was happening was um, uh, South Korea was building. They were in this gigantic expansion process. And so they were building these buildings very quickly. And so in order to do things too quickly, as in our own lives, anytime we try to do something too quickly, how does it end up? <laughs> 
not, not good. You want to make money quick? Bitcoin? Have a nice day. All right, like it's like it might work for a second. Well, this was, uh, this was done. And um, what happened was they, they, in order to increase the space of the department store, they made their columns smaller so that they could fit in. It was going to be an apartment building, but they thought they could make more money as a department store. And so they would have 40,000 people a day come through that department store. And so they noticed after a little while that cracks began to form in the ceiling. It was supposed to be uh, four stories, but in order to increase uh, commerce and in order to increase wealth, they made it five stories. And so they began to see cracks in the ceiling and they went to the person who built the department store and they told them that this is, hap- this is happening um, uh, there's a documentary on it. I think it's called Seconds Before Collapse or something like that, which, uh, which I think is a pretty, pretty awesome title uh, and can describe some of our lives at different times, I think. But uh, so they, they built it shoddy. So the, the ceiling uh, began to uh, fold down, right? Now, when you see, uh, this is just a pro tip. Just uh, this is free. If your ceiling begins to uh, bow down, it's probably a good idea to exit the building, okay? But what they did is they just moved all the air conditioning to the sides so that the air conditioning wouldn't be in the center, okay? So, because it was, it was like peak buying season. Anyway, uh, here's the picture. As you can imagine, uh, 500 people died, uh, even an hour before the building collapsed, they told the person who owned the building, and they, his own daughter-in-law was in that building, and he did nothing. He left, but he left those people to die. And so, uh, but this is what happens when you don't come under the authority of architects, when you don't come under the authority of um, of building permits and codes and, and, and justice, <laughs> right? This is what happens. How much more when we don't come under the authority of our Heavenly Father? We don't experience structural peace. So John, uh, uh, Jesus is talking in John and he says, look, obey my commands if you love me. If you don't love me, you're not going to obey my commands. What's at stake is us living with you, of you experiencing communion with your heavenly father. And then he makes this crazy statement. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. There is not a day in Jesus' life where he was not experiencing the peace of his heavenly father. Because he was under the authority of his heavenly father. He said, whatever he tells me to say, I say. And whatever he tells me to do, I do. My peace I give to you. And then he says these really encouraging words after this. As though these weren't encouraging enough. Not as the world gives. Do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Nor let it be fearful. See, the peace that God gives, the peace that comes from the peace of Christ, the the reason we celebrate Christmas and the birth of Jesus is because he is the prince of peace. That as we come under the rule and reign and authority of Jesus, our lives change. 
And he says, I do not give as the world gives. You know how the world gives peace? Exactly how I experience it. Everything worked out. We got the toys. Ah, peace. It has to work out for me in order to have peace. Do you know that Jesus, uh, our, our Heavenly Father, does not, des- we're not designed that way. We're designed to experience peace regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the outcome, regardless if healing comes or not, regardless if 600 toys show up. We praise him when it happens, and trust me, we do. <laughs> we do. But even if it doesn't happen, we can experience the peace of Christ if we come under his rule and his reign. In Matthew, he says this, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Which is everyone, by the way. Then he makes this statement. Man, I hope, I hope, I, I hope somebody hears me this morning. Because this is the words of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the one who uh, is worth following, the one who is worth listening to, the authority that is worth being submitted to. He says, come to me, come to me, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Watch what he says this. Take my yoke upon you. This is an act of submission. I'll show you a picture of a yoke right now. And I'm not even yoking. <laughs> See that? I'm just, it's just like, it's like magic. I don't know how I come up with these jokes. Uh, but this is, this is the idea. A yoke is this wooden structure that the ox needs to put his head down and get under. And they don't usually like that. I don't like that. I don't like the picture of a yoke. But oxen who are yoked together accomplish way more than an oxen by himself or an ox by himself or herself, which I guess wouldn't be an ox. I'm overthinking it. Anyway, (laughs) it's an act of submission. And here's why I know You can accomplish more under the yoke of Jesus is because he's the ox right next to you. He shows the way. He has done it. And so when it comes time for me to pull, when it comes time for me to accomplish, if I'm doing it by myself, I'm not designed to do it myself. I lay myself under the yoke of Christ and he's right there next to me. And he says, this is the direction we're going to go. It's not just two of us under the yoke. It's you and Christ under his authority. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will not only find rest, you're going to find rest for your souls. This is deep-seated guttural, at the core of who you are, rest. This isn't just, I took a nap. (laughs) This is, you got it. I'm going to come under the authority, and we're going to do this together. And whichever field you have us plow, we're going to do it together. 
and we're going to accomplish so much more than if I had to do this myself. 